The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Sports Gambling Podcast. Props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up using the promo code SGP. 50, you'll get a 50% deposit bonus. Play, win, and get paid at mybookie.ag. We're also brought to you by ESPN Plus. Log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and click the ESPN Plus banner to sign up for ESPN Plus. College football, college basketball, MLB, soccer, and exclusive UFC fights. ESPN Plus is your one-stop shop as a sports fan. Can you even really be a fan without ESPN Plus? We are back on Inside Vegas. The dog days of summer still in full swing, and it's a little bit tough. You know, a slow time of year in the sports betting world. Baseball grinding day in, day out. Have some UFC fights, some specialty stuff along the way, but the big ticket item football will always be king. It's a great time to take a step back and start to, you know, build your handicap for the upcoming NFL season. And where else would we turn? Frequent friend of the program, Whale Cappers, is joining us to talk all things NFL narratives, uh, how odds have kind of shifted post the draft, free agency, and kind of how, who got better, who got a lot worse. Um, and who's in draft pick territory versus who has a realistic shot. We're also going to break down kind of the impact of the two-way majoring market that has been opened up by Circus Sports and what that could mean for this as well. But this is kind of your way too early one-stop shop to get a you know head start on your NFL handicapping with, again, Will Capper, co-host of the Deep Dive podcast with Andy, um, one of my favorite people in the industry, analytical-based handicapper who is able to look at scheduling um, and try to locate these letdown spots, the motivation spots, and everything else along the way. Well, welcome back in, my friend. And anytime there's an NFL offseason narrative going on, you are the person that I turn to. We just did NFL draft props. That was one of the most fun shows that we've done in a while. And now we're here during the dog days of summer to look at kind of the NFL uh, offseason and how we can, you know, both grade it and learn from it and how it's so different when we grade, you know, kind of week to week in terms of instead of, you know, the big picture overarching themes of this where nobody really knows, uh, it's just how it looks on paper. And that one Philadelphia uh, Eagles team showed us dream teams can be a very bad thing. <laughs> so um, let's dig into it, man. I, I think that we, you know, talking off air, we kind of how we wanted to attack this in a bunch of different areas. Um, but what has been kind of, you know, your over, you know, what has been your theme or, or some stuff that you have really the overall takeaways from this past offseason, you know, draft uh, and free agency kind of, you know, connected by the two of them? Ooh, good question. Okay. Uh, well, first of all, so great to be back talking NFL. The fact that it's right around the corner has me just absolutely fired up. So this is exciting. Um, and I think it's pretty clear as you look across the landscape that there were some winners and losers in free agency, in the draft, uh, and kind of organizationally. Um, you know, there were just some great decisions made and some others that were just absolute head scratchers. Uh, and I think, uh, presents a pretty good opportunity to kind of, you know, kind of evaluate some of these teams off seasons and, you know, and say, Hey, look, these guys have put themselves in a class to contend. And these guys have made themselves utterly irrelevant over the course of their decision-making. 
That's that was my takeaway as well. Is the good moves that were made um, by teams? They weren't just one or two. There was you know so many that kind of led the you know on top of each other, and it was really weird to see. And then some teams you know didn't just make you know I guess you could maybe lump, lump the Jets in here with the Bell signing, but for the most part, most teams didn't just make one move. It was teams really kind of rebuilding all at once, or kind of dumping everything all at once. So <laughs> I completely yeah. agree, man. It, it's it's parody is you know as you know in my spread is dead theory parody. I think is long gone by the wayside in the NFL. The good are really good and the bad are really bad. And that is because of, you know, decisions like this in the free agency and in the draft market, anything draft specific that, you know, was your biggest takeaway? Ooh, man. Uh, well, the biggest whiff by far in the draft. So I guess if, if I was going to say like a team that clearly sticks out as losers from last season to this season is the Houston Texans. In my opinion, um, they went into the draft with some assets. They had opportunities to bolster their offensive line, protect their young quarterback. They took an absolute reach in the first round after the Eagles scooped, uh, you know, one of the best offensive linemen who fell, uh, scooped them right in front of them, going one pick ahead of them. Uh, and, um, you know, really made a mess of their draft after that. Uh, and the fallout of that, is they fire their general manager and pres- you know presumably because they had uh, a candidate in uh, Nick Cesario of New England in their sights oh by the way they forgot to do their homework on what the patriots um you know contract status was with Nick Cesario and that they could refuse him an interview uh, and so now here they sit with no general manager through the month of July through the po- period of time when they could have gotten a deal done with Jadavian Clowney to lock him up as a long-term, you know, you know, important player on their defensive line. And they've completely missed their opportunity at this. And so now they go into this regular season with Jadavian Clowney, you know, maybe he gives you, you know, 50, 75% effort sitting there on the franchise tag. You know, they, they're, you know, he's pissed because they're trying to pay him linebacker franchise tag money instead of defensive end franchise tag money. This, this all, you know, screams, you know, a guy who already, you can already question his kind of intent and work ethic in terms of, you know, trying hard based on what we've seen throughout his college and professional career to this point. Uh, and if you're not going to get a hundred percent from him this year, that's a, that's a huge, huge impediment to your defense being as good as they were last year. And, and just not having a free, you know, and just not having a GM in general to make moves, uh, and help construct your roster is, is really troubling when you have, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, they finished third in the AFC last year, presumably they would be contenders for a super bowl this year with their quarterback, taking another step forward. He's young. He's not getting any money, put good pieces around this guy. Um, but they seem to have kind of whiffed on all of those, uh, opportunities. And so uh, of the losers, the, the Texans are number one in my book. Yeah, man, that narrative of what you just talked about of you have to win while your quarterback is getting, you know, not getting paid. I was watching the Rich Eisen show today and they were literally talking about this with, about uh, Dallas Cowboys and how uh, at this point you got to pay Dak because you couldn't get it done. You know, the Seattle uh, Seahawks blueprint doing it with Wilson. I know that Wentz went out, but, you know, um, you know, he was gave them a lot of flexibility uh, as well as, you know, just seeing the Rams do this with Jared Goff. So that seems to be kind of the narrative um, overall when we look at this league as it moves forward and how to construct rosters. So that'll be kind of fascinating to see as that moves. I think that there's some definite narrative ones in there, but let's break down this wild <laughs> offseason, man. Um, what we're basically going to do and how we're going 
to attack this is go through our either top five best. We're going to basically power rank either really bad or really, really good uh, for the you know moves that were made in the offseason. And we can kind of talk about how odds had adjusted along the way. And we'll kind of break into all that stuff after. But just to kind of give, you know, a little bit of a, um, you know, crash course on what went on during this offseason, I think is a great way to attack this. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? <laughs> Okay, I'll go first because uh, I got a clear best. Hit me. Uh, in my opinion, uh, clear best was the Browns, uh, and you know this is going to land on a lot of people, and they're going to feel a little. Eh, I don't know. I mean, the Browns. Number one, they've sucked for so long; it's tough to really kind of recalibrate your mental framework and say, "Oh no, these guys are a contender now." Uh, and number two, they feel very, very um, well supported by kind of your average Joe. Right. Like there's all there, there's a good amount of momentum on Hey, the Browns are going to be good this year. And it's possible that the market has overreacted. That's very, very, that's entirely possible. Um, but I still can't help, but give John Dorsey kind of the absolute best grade of all of the, uh, you know, general managers in the off season pulling in, you know, rather than using his draft capital in a draft that had really not a lot of star impact power. Like the, the, the draft had, you know, some moderate depth in the second and third round. There were some fine players, but it's all developmental. And, you know, if you want to have put impact players around your young quarterback in Baker Mayfield and, and really contend, you trade those assets and you get impact players. And that's exactly what he did bringing in a guy like Odell Beckham Jr. That was a really, really nice move uh, to put, you know, that dynamic of a playmaker in this passing offense that already has other weapons. Uh, and I think, um, you know, they've they've constructed a roster here on offense that's going to be very dangerous on top of the fact that they got rid of Greg Williams, who I'm not a fan of on the defensive side. Uh, and they bring in Todd Munkin, who uh, has coordinated an offense in Tampa Bay that's been extremely dangerous over the last couple of years. So, you you know, you kind of look at all of the moves that these team made. They have incredible talent from the last couple of drafts. John Dorsey's done a nice job uh, of drafting impact players at multiple levels. They got, you know, they got Greedy Williams even in the draft, you know, who slid to the second round, you know, first round talent out of LSU to put it in the, you know, in the secondary that guy can cover. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, top to bottom, the, the off season went about as perfectly as you could have hoped for the draft, you know, for the, for the Browns, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to have Kareem hunt on the roster this year. They're going to have, you know, at least four players who have dynamic pass catching ability between the running backs, tight ends and wide receivers. So everything that these, these guys are doing is, is looking in the, in the positive direction, as far as I can tell you. Yeah, man, you're not going to hear any disagreement from me. I mean, it, it's the obvious, you know, the it's the whole story of the offseason is what Cleveland did, and you talked about that. I want to bring this back around to gambling, man. I mean, when we look at this, the Browns are by far the heaviest liability for books to win the Super Bowl, basically moving from 22 to 1 down to 14 to 1 as they look at mybookie.ag right now. Wow. Man. And Yikes. they are the heaviest liability and the heaviest team by far. Would you, um, is that a bet wow. that has kind of piqued your attention? Would you look more towards the AFC side? I, I think a wild card specific bet makes some sense, but how would you kind of look at those odds and what are your feelings about them? I, okay. So my, 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 my recommendation for the Browns is to look for opportunities to bet them game by game, not necessarily to bet them in the Super Bowl market. I, I overall, this is a team that hasn't had a playoff game in what 50 years. Yep. I mean, like they just have no, no blueprint of success. And I know that you can look back to like two years ago's Eagles and be like, Hey, look at this is a team with a second year quarterback. And he got hurt even. 
and they backup quarterback won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the exception, not the rule. I don't think that you can necessarily expect the Browns to make a leap to where they're going to have, um, you know, th- maybe they get double digit wins. That's a successful season to them for them. Maybe they win the AFC North. That's a successful season for them. Uh, I think really this year though, is just uh, Hey, we are here now in the AFC. We are a team that, you know, is, is to be contended with going forward and you know we're going to get our feet wet for the first time in the playoffs like that's kind of how i view this team not necessarily a team i would back especially at 14 to 1 that number's gotten the hell beat out of it uh so i you know i would i would actually kind of wait and and even you know realistically i think the the likelihood that the browns um kind of lead the afc north wire to wire is pretty small they have kind of a backloaded schedule where most of their afc north competition is like the last four like six weeks of the season uh and so they're going to control their own destiny come about thanksgiving and so if they're a little behind in the standings at that point to either the steelers or the ravens which i think is possible uh, then uh, I think that's the time you pounce on Browns to win the AFC North and hope that they finish strong. Let me tell you why you're never going to get a futures bet from Cleveland for me this year. <laughs> and it's because of one thing and one narrative that I will beat home. First-year quarterbacks in the playoffs are absolutely awful. We look back at last year, Lamar yeah, Jackson, you, Deshaun yes, Watson, you know Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> Jared Goff last year, Dak two years ago. I know Mahomes yep. kind of came through, but I think yep. he's a little bit of a, of a different breed. I really do. Um, so, you, you know, when I look at this, the last thing and I want to – Yeah, add, and he didn't. He didn't come. He didn't come through. He lost the AFC title game at home, like as a three-point No, just first, his like first that, start yeah. in the playoffs. His first start, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, I think he underachieved last year given the quality of that team not All making right. the super bowl was a was an underachievement i would say um our number ones are the same and i'm not going <laughs> to beat this one to death the last thing that i will ask you about cleveland okay, cool. should they be cool, cool, the cool. plus 125 favorites to win the afc north no i think it should be like more in the 150 175 range i don't mind them being at the top of the pile but plus 125 you know that's almost saying that they have about a 50 percent likelihood to win and that's that's kind of a reach i mean i they're the they made while they may be the best team i don't think that they're clearly the best team there's probably value on the ravens or the steelers maybe both yeah uh and you know i think i think this kind of i, I don't think we know who wins the afc north until like december 15th probably so uh that the afc north is a division that i have circled to bet into during the season once we get a feel for how these teams come to bet come together i, I wouldn't be swinging away on that now no, that number's terrible, man. All right, I'm going to lead off with my number two <laughs> one. And I'm going to head to Green okay. Bay, which may surprise some people. Um, but I really love everything Green Bay did in this offseason. They bring in Matt LaFleur. Um, for anyone that's not familiar with his accomplishments, he was with Matt Ryan uh, during the MVP season. Um, he was the offensive coordinator for Sean McVay's staff when Jared Goff took that next step. Um, he has really been, you know, he's an offensive innovator. It's all the things that are trendy in the league right now. Um, and this is something I have really used in the offseason to really serve around to you know apply this to a week one spot and if you look towards um when chicago played green bay week one last year uh with that new offense of naggy you know uh, Green Bay had no idea what was going on. You look up at the first half and it was 21 nothing. And I know that Green Bay came back and won that game, um, but they were so off balance for so long. And I think that that to me is the same exact situation that presented itself week one uh, is going to happen in reverse here. You're going to see a brand new offense that the Bears have never seen from Lafer. Um, and it's going, you know, when you look back at what Lafer has been able to do, um, you know, the Rams won 46 to nine, um, you know, his kind of first time out there with McVay when nobody knew what that offense was. Now, obviously, it has to change. Oh. 
change wow. a little bit. I forgot um, about that. But it's it's absolutely, I think that it's such a great spot for week one. The other thing, um, you know, when we look at that game, Trubisky really ran all over that place. Green Bay, in my eyes, got to be probably the second fastest uh, defensive team in the NFL next to the Dallas Cowboys in the course of basically five or six moves through the draft and free agency, um, basically adding five defensive starters in the draft. It's incredible. You know, um, Zaria Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. Um, and you know, those are going to be guys, you know, uh, Darnell Savage was another one, uh, who ran what, like a four, three, five forty or something like that. So they're going to be flying around on defense, which is going to be able to help set edges and, and, and apply that type of stuff. I just think that when you, you know, finally get the, I don't want to say poison, but when you break a relationship that was so obviously splintered like the one with Aaron Rodgers um, and McCarthy. So I think I'm, you know, maybe I'm a little <laughs> bit high on them, but I think that they are um, probably, you know, we're going to look up and everyone's going to remember that, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And with this defense, it's going to be something I don't think a lot of people have seen in a while. Mm. I buy all that, man. That's a good breakdown. I had Green Bay in my top five, but I have them number three. Uh, and I, I like all your points there. Uh, I think they did what you know, they, they effectively, they potentially, they potentially did what Indianapolis did last year, which is bring an elite quarterback, you know, uh, you know, out of a funk. Uh, and you know, that the McCarthy, you know, Aaron Rodgers relationship was so toxic. And so, you know, was so overdue for a change that even if, uh, Matt LaFleur takes him a little while to kind of find his footing as a play caller, as a head coach, uh, I think just the fact that it's a shakeup uh, should have some impact on uh, on Rogers' performance because you know you look at the numbers he has not necessarily lived up to expectations going on four or five years now uh, and granted some of that's injury um, but definitely a lot of that was system uh, so this is your your best chance really to uh, to kind of shake up your you know your your franchise's fortune and get your top tier quarterback to to take you back to the playoffs that this was the right move so I agree. All right, man. What is your, um, oh, that was your, so I guess I'll, I'll repeat and go again. If, if that was your, uh, number two as well. Oh, no, so I had Green there. Bay three, my number two, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is on your list as well. My number two is the Atlanta Falcons. Mm. I think the Falcons did a really nice job in the off season and it was addition by subtraction by getting rid of uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, I think the fact that they have a new offensive mind and they're bringing in a uh, former head coach from Tampa Bay, uh, and, uh, Dirk cutter, uh, and, uh, he will be the, uh, he will be the, um, and by the way, I should clarify, I might've made a mistake when I was talking about the Browns, the Browns have offensive coordinator from Tampa Bay, Todd Munkin, the, uh, the Falcons have, uh, uh the, uh, head coach from Tampa Bay and, uh, Dirk cutter, both good offensive minds. Um, and I think that, uh, right there combined with the fact that I still believe Matt Ryan to be, you know, the top tier of the NFL quarterbacks, uh, the fact that they play in a dome on that super fast turf and that they have dynamic weapons in the, both the passing game and the, uh, uh, and out of the backfield who can run and catch passes. Like this is an offense that looks absolutely primed to explode this year. Uh, they made some nice investments in young offensive line talent. Uh, they are going to be getting back some enormously important pieces on defense. They won, you know, they lost games last year cause you could outscore them and you could outscore them because their defense performed extremely poorly. Uh, this year with Deion Jones coming back with Keanu 
back. They they signed Grady Jarrett just recently to a long-term deal. Uh, that's a good, young, talented core on defense. Uh, and I think that they're going, they've, they've kind of really put themselves in the conversation in the NFC uh, just on the basis of kind of reconfiguring their coaching staff and, and uh, kind of investing in the, the right parts of their, their roster where they were weak. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, I didn't have them in my top five just because there were a lot of um, it's under the radar stuff. Additions by subtraction. It does, I think doesn't really, you know, always <laughs> jump out at you. Um, but I, you know, when you break it down like that, man, I mean, h- how can you possibly disagree? Uh, let's go for my next one. My number three, let's go over to the, oh man, I, I went back and forth with what three and four were going to be. But to me, I am a big fan of, uh, teams. This one's going to be a negative because I am a fan of teams <laughs> really, like I talked about in the beginning with parody, uh, knowing what they want to be and going all in. And either if you know that you can't, you know, you really in your heart of hearts don't feel you can contend without making a ton of moves that you can't make. Uh, I think you go for the best draft pick and that's it because parity is dead. And, and I love when teams load up because you have to go for it. Um, so to me, look, the New York Jets, man, Le- you know, Le'Veon Bell going there, I think is going to be the, you know, fantasy darling you know, story and all of this. But look, man, if Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, um, you know, CJ Mosley, if they elevate, you know, they make Darnold better and they, you know, make makes the D competitive, I guess, would be the, the kind of right word. Then I guess all that money is spent. But to me, I will never understand why kind of middling teams, um, I completely understand it from the free agents perspective, why they go there, because they oftentimes have the most cap space and you only get paid a couple times in the NFL, non-guaranteed deals makes a ton of sense. But from a front office, you know, kind of you know perspective here, I don't understand the hire of head coach. I don't understand <laughs> any of these moves that they have really made bringing in, you know, they're spending money just to spend money not even just to get under the floor or, or this or that to literally, um, I don't think that football is from a running back position. I know we kind of differ on that a little bit. Uh, I just don't get the, you know, instead of rebuilding your roster ground up, spending all that money on two players that, you know, largely can't see the field together or, or whatever the case may be. Um, and I'm not a fan of Darnold. So I think that this is, you know, Typical Jets fashion, um, not having an identity, not knowing what they want to do uh, and spending money just because it's New York and you can spend money. Oh, yeah. No, no disagreement. I'm not a fan of the Jets offseason. Uh, they aren't weren't quite as bad as what the, happened with the Texans, but it certainly seems similar. I mean, they hire Adam Gase. If Le'Veon uh, Bell is Le'Veon Bell yeah. and um, I mean, uh, Jamison Crowder is Jamison Crowder and everything hits their ceiling with this team. Uh, what do you think the best case scenario is? Because I still don't see a situation where they get above nine oh, and six. Yeah. Like that's the ceiling. No, I'd today. say their ceiling is like eight, eight and eight, nine and seven. Yeah. Even yeah. if Le'Veon eight, Bell eight, is the best player in the league, yeah. like wins the MVP. I, I just don't get it. I, but he, even, you know, the likelihood of that. That's like 0.0001 percent. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm yeah, not buying that for a heartbeat. Yeah. Guy took a year off of football. He doesn't look like he's in shape at all. Like, and he's a running back. Like, all 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 signs point to trouble there. And you know what's even funnier? They hire Adam Gase, they sign Le'Veon Bell, and then they fire the general manager. And you're like, wait, what? And then you know, backstabbing rumors coming out about how Adam Gase didn't want Le'Veon Bell in the first place. And it's like, okay, wait a second. So the GM who signed the star for all of this money and hired the head coach. The coach doesn't want this player. And now the head coach is in charge of the organization. This is like, you know, drama to the max and in no way suggests, you know, the, an organization that is, you know, moving in the right direction going forward. So agreed. 
<laughs> All right, man. What is your next one? Um, I'll talk about, I guess I'll get negative two here. Uh, I'm going to go negative on the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. Uh, I think they needed to move on from their offensive coordinator and they did not. Uh, I think Brian Schottenheimer's approach of uh, running the ball 53% of the time or die uh, is, you know, is kind of an absolutely antiquated way of thinking in the NFL. We haven't seen or read or heard or gotten the sense in what's, you know, whatsoever that, um, you know, that they're going to revise their, you know, conceptual approach this year coming into this season on offense and what they were doing last year legitimately cost them a playoff game. They were the better team against the Cowboys, but because of that offensive play calling in that uh, in that uh, wild card game, they were the losers. Uh, and that's unbelievable when you have a you know a quarterback that's as talented as Russell Wilson. Not to let him, you know, kind of be the deciding factor in a game on offense is absolutely wild. Uh, and you know they still have not shored up issues on the offensive line. I hate that. I don't want to see Russell Wilson get hurt, you know, and I, I, I you know, the league is entertaining when the, when the best quarterbacks are out there week in week out and he's running for his life every week. That's terrible. Uh, so, you know, I, I give them a, you know, kind of a, a, a failing grade on their ability to self-evaluate and to make changes on kind of the whole entire concept of what their offense is, you know, how it's structured, uh, you know, how it's rostered. They lost Doug Baldwin. Uh, to retirement. They have this kind of three-headed monster of not that great players at running back who they're going to force feed the ball uh, get behind an offensive line that can't really block. Uh, and, you know, they their defense has gotten substantially older. They they've uh, they no longer have Earl Thomas. He's in Baltimore now. Uh, they traded their one kind of relatively strong piece in young Frank Clark to the um, to the Chiefs for D Ford, who I think is wildly overrated. Uh, and you know, actually, did they even get D Ford back? I can't remember who they got back. I just know D Ford's no longer on the chiefs and Frank Clark's no longer on the Seahawks, but whatever the case is, the defensive side of the ball, Bobby Wagner's getting older. KJ Wright is getting older. Frank Thomas is gone. You haven't been able to coach up your, uh, cornerbacks to replace the production you got from a player like Richard Sherman and, and camp chancellor and, uh, and, um, you know, some of the other kind of legion of boom players who are now long gone. Uh, and all of this, you know, all of this again in a division where you now have to play a complete new look in the Cardinals that who knows how dangerous that team's going to be, but they're going to be different. Uh, you have an utterly dynamic, you know, monster in the, uh, Los Angeles Rams, you know, uh, former, uh, NFC champions. Uh, and you have a completely, um, you know, complete unknown in, in Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers, I would say complete unknown, I guess, but, but the potential for another good offensive team in the 49ers. And, and yet here you sit with a quarterback who you just paid and a roster that is depleting around him and a coaching staff that doesn't have a scheme that fits their, you know, his strengths or, you know, or, or the current strengths of the NFL, all of this smells like trouble for me. And I think that the Seahawks are heading into the season wildly overrated. All right, man. Well, let's, it's a good segue. We'll go over to another bird in this league. And I, Oh wait, no, no. Before, before we segue, oh, I know you live and die by the Russell Wilson gets you nine wins. Russell Wilson gets you nine wins. Uh, are you still going to go back to the well this season? Or are you worried now that they finally paid him? 
Uh, here's my thing, man. I look at it long term and I have equity built in from every single year of his career since I discovered that. So I'm going to, until it loses, I'm always going to play it the same way that Russell Wilson teased is, is lost, I think once in his career or something like that. Um, so uh, when it comes to long-term inequity, I largely kind of, last year, I felt a lot better about it. That is for sure. Um, it was probably one of my largest um, single, uh, season win total bets. But this year, uh, do I like it? No, it's just an equity thing. And I feel like I just, <laughs> okay. if it hit again and, and I didn't play it and maybe you get a, a discounted number or here or there, um, you know, I would probably be more mad if I didn't play it and it won than if it finally lost. And I lost, you know, one year of equity in that. So I'm kind of- I got you. I got you. So it's like you got your bet on the dome pass line and you've been stacking up with Mac max odds, like four rolls in a row and you hit your point four times. And this is your fifth time. You're just like, yeah, you know what? I'll just, I'll just leave my chips on the pass line. And if it hits, it hits. If it doesn't, then we had a good run. Exactly. <laughs> Could not have said that better myself. And I absolutely <laughs> love that analogy. All right, cool. Um, let's go over to a uh, different set of birds, man. The Baltimore Ravens. Now this mm. one is a little polarizing to me because Ooh, yes. I think that the, this is all going to depend on what you feel Lamar Jackson. I think that there is a lot of Tim Tebow in his game that is uh, not, you know, he's a winner. Dude gets it done and you'll never find a, you know, Tebow truther more than me who thinks that he deserved to start, you know, after Denver again and really never got another chance to do so. I think that when you win, but you do it differently, people want to poke holes in it and it makes absolutely no sense to me. I don't care if you go, if I was an NFL quarterback. I got signed tomorrow. Nobody's ever, you know, polarizing guy, whatever. And I had the, I put up five yards passing, but I have never lost. Maybe you're going to call me a good luck charm. You want to call me whatever. What does it matter how it gets done as long as it gets done? And so I get it. You want to get out ahead of that. You want to, you know, move on before it takes a season and, and all this and that. Uh, but look, the Ravens are going all in with Lamar Jackson uh, pass or fail. And we're going to find, and when you look at what this team has done, um, you know, Earl Thomas to solidify the defense, Shane Ray, um, you look at the offense. I'm specifically, I guess I should have tailored this to, um, Baltimore and what they did on offense, Mark Ingram coming in. You also go out there in the draft and you get explosive playmakers. To me, this is going to be the most fun because the defense took a step back. I think that Baltimore, who has always traditionally been an under team, especially, you know, especially in the first half market, when you look at this, I think <laughs> that Lamar Jackson is going to spread five out wide and they're going to run the Madden running gun. And it's going to be possibly the funnest, uh, you know, version of the NFL. Um, and these could be track meets. I mean, Marquise Brown, Miles Boykin, uh, they have completely, I guess, you know, from a narrative perspective, why I wanted to, you know, at least bring this up and give them credit is just because they changed their whole philosophy, but they didn't go half and half. They really went from defense first, run the ball. They're going to do something and it's going to pass and it's going to blow up. It, it could blow up in their faces in spectacular fashion, or it's going to be innovative and you're going to see all of a sudden Baltimore putting up these 35, you know, 28 type of games. So I just think it's a philosophy shift. And from handicapping, I think that that's a narrative worth mentioning and knowing that, you know, this is not going to be the same Browns team anymore. Yeah. 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 It's uh those are all great the points. Ravens, I say Browns. I, yeah, no, I do. I knew what you meant. The, uh, the Ravens. Yeah. The, those are all great points. And I, your this has boomer bust written all over it absolutely all kind of conditional on Lamar Jackson's development uh, and they do have the coaching staff in place that should 
be able to do it. Uh, but you know, his number one knock is accuracy and passing is not there. And it's tough to teach that yep. like maybe impossible. <laughs> and so, so that, you know, that has me cautiously, uh, you know, cautiously optimistic because I agree. I like everything else that they did as a organization. I like that. They're kind of leaning into the analytics space. I like that. They're kind of, they, they, I like their offensive coaching staff and, you know, their, their defensive acquisitions I support. Um, but you know, they, <laughs> they have Lamar Jackson who succeeded on the basis of having extreme plus EV, every rushing attempt he had last that year, was Tim Tebow, plus, extreme plus EV. And guess what? Like there are people who are, you know, who have kind of gone through the data and evaluated what's going on in the NFL and know without a doubt, quarterback rushing is a plus EV thing in general. Like if your quarterback can run, like it is very tough for an NFL defense to be able to, you know, to adapt to that, you know, as uh, assuming that, you know, that they don't have the personnel that the chargers do when the chargers rolled out, you know, dime coverage with just the spectacularly fast and athletic safeties that completely neutralized Jackson in the playoffs. So most teams don't have that. Most teams can't do that. Uh, and so there will be some success presumably for Jackson, especially on the running, you know, in the running game. Uh, the, the key question is if he makes no improvement at all in his passing game, then their ceiling is like nine wins. Uh, and if he makes some, then we're talking about the potential for a double digit team. And you know, you, you really, you need the, uh, you need the sports almanac from the future to, to be able to tell whether Lamar Jackson's going to improve this year or not, because it's anyone's guess. And I would actually even say like the reports that I've seen from camp and stuff, the mini camps and stuff, no one said anything positive. I haven't seen any reporter, beat reporter who was on the ground watching a camp say anything other than, hey, he was inconsistent today, <laughs> which is kind of maybe just what he is. So it's a uh, it's a little tough to be, you know, real. If, if if I if I was getting any whiffs from the people on the ground that his passing was improving, I would be pretty bullish on this team. Uh, but in the absence of that, I'm, I'm kind of where you are, where it's uh, there's potential for for problems here. I agree, man. All right. Your last one. Okay. Uh, um, God, man, there's so many I want to talk about. Uh, you can I'm going to go, go rapid three, fire if you want. I'll, I'll go, I'm going to go rapid fire with three teams that didn't really make a lot of moves, but I think that was good. Okay. Is Dallas so, in there? Dallas is not in there, actually. Right, and I, I'm, I'll finish I'm, up with that then. Okay. Yeah. Dallas is not in there. I, but but uh, three teams that didn't really do a lot, but they didn't really have to. Right. And I'm going to go with two contenders in the AFC and the Colts and the Chargers. Uh, I think they both have relatively complete rosters top to bottom. I think they use their draft picks wisely to backfill positions where they had a need uh, in terms of depth only, not necessarily skill. Uh, and I think they, you know, they, they spent their free agency money sparingly uh, in kind of keeping a good young core together. Uh, they both have, you know, they both have coaching staffs that I find to be kind of on the come up. Uh, they both have quarterbacks who I think are good enough to win playoff games. Uh, and I, so I appreciate that they kind of are keeping it together and running it back. Uh, similarly in the NFC, I think the Eagles kind of fit into that mold. Um, I love that Carson Wentz is coming back off an injury, uh, you know, and then we will finally kind of get what we've been waiting for here, which is kind of a, a real kind of full season to evaluate 
his ability to be a top tier NFL quarterback. We're going to learn a lot about him uh, and kind of his passing, especially because, you know, we've, he's been able to get first downs when, you know, with the aggressive approach that they run where they kind of have an unusual look for you on third down, knowing that they're going to go for it on fourth down. And that's kind of the evolution of the future of plus EV play calling, in my opinion, and what was what the Eagles are doing. And so, you know, I would expect the Eagles with the, with the coaching staff staff staying together with the, you know, with the offensive core staying together, some interesting bringing Deshaun uh, Jackson back uh, and, uh, and kind of lengthening the, your ability to throw, throw the ball deep is going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. And it's overall, it's just a team that I think is, uh, is kind of the right pieces came back. And, and so by kind of not doing anything, they have set themselves up really well to, to, to contend in the NFC this year. All right, man, we're going to go to my last one and it's the Dallas Cowboys. And it's a team like you kind of you know, mentioned did not do a lot, but somehow I think that every move that they made, they got better. Uh, Kellen Moore promoted to offensive coordinator, I think is a win of itself. Um, Randall Cobb coming in. I mean, we can laugh and poke fun at Jason Witten, um, but we don't. Pay, yeah. Pay do you think he much. actually makes the, do you think he actually makes the roster? Ugh. Uh, I think he has to because Swain is gone, right? Or Swain? Uh, yeah, but who else is there? I don't know, man. I don't know if he's got it in him to play anymore. I just, you know, I just can't picture it, but maybe I get it, man. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. when you look down their line, right? So they're signing DeMarcus, um, uh, Lawrence and signing him. Big, yeah, that I think was, huge. Is, that was um, huge. you know, you look at David Irving retiring, um, Tyrone Crawford gets in a bar fight. You have Jason Witten back, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, shoving a guy. There's a lot of unknowns here, but from a pure kind of, you know, free or off season moves, right? Cole Beasley became Randall Cobb. Jeff Swain became Jason Witten. David Irving became uh, who, Christian Covington. Randy Gregory became uh, Kerry Hyder. Um, then with this is, not to mention, tra- uh, Travis Frederick moving back to center makes that offensive line elite, and it is the biggest difference in football when that line is right, and that's why they mm. weren't light, you know, right last year. The biggest um, you know, kind of regret or, or thing that made me upset last year was when they got Amari Cooper. As you know, Dak Prescott, uh, under his passing yards, was one of the bigger bets of my season last <laughs> oh, yeah. year, and it would have gone under by about 1,000 had they not went out not there. Even, and, it wouldn't and, have not even close. Right. No picked him up um all of a sudden Dak Prescott is is slinging the rock out there like he's Patrick Mahomes now look I am not a Dak guy I do not think that Dak Prescott will ever win anything in this league um that's just how I feel about him and his game I think he's the benefit of the best offensive line in football when it's right Ezekiel Elliott uh but he showed me something with Cooper and I will definitely give the devil's due and take my lumps on that I just think that this defense is when I talked about the Packers being the second uh second fastest defense in the league now Dallas in my mind is now the first and it is not even close there are so many levels to this when you look at what they went out there and did in the draft and in free agency this defense is going to fly and I don't think a lot of people are going to expect it and not that they necessarily have to you know fly around for a guy like um you know Eli Manning from the pocket but Saquon (laughs) out there you know certainly helps Wentz has you know used to have legs prior to the to the move if Alex Smith does come back he could you know was scrambling Case Keenum I don't think is going to be out there a ton uh, running around. So I, I think it's going to be more out of division. It'll help them definitely come playoff time if they can all stay healthy. But Dallas did a lot of right things and, and it's in, in Dallas fashion, a lot can go right and a lot can go wrong depending on kind of off the field stuff for them. Yeah, no disagreement. Top to bottom, their roster is one of the more impressive in the NFC. 
uh, no holes really, except depending on how you feel about Dak Prescott, I guess he's, you know, he's somewhere between like, I don't know, 12, 10, 12, <laughs> he's somewhere between 12 and 16 in terms of quarterbacks in, in the NFL, as far as I can tell you. Uh, and that, but that might be good enough because like you mentioned, their defense is young and really, really, really talented. Uh, their linebacking core in the front seven, all, all across the board, you have, um, you know, you have dynamic playmakers there. It's going to be interesting to see, Thank you know, you, as they'll always, be able to win Zach some Brunner games on defense alone. To talk NBA, uh, and free they might have odds to because, in season wagering, you know, secondary market, and so really much more. And as always, guys, Mormon we are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook inside Vegas podcast, as well as they are hosting the first ever online NFL Super Contest. Five picks were, ATS you know, against the spread like NFL season. They didn't know when to go for it on four down. They didn't know when Every dollar they receive is an entry like, fee. You know, like, they are like not taking a big like that everything coming back out the into the prize pot. Entry uh, fee is only $100. Go to mybookie.ag slash contest to secure your spot. And when you do, make sure you use that promo code SGP50 to get your 50% deposit. And you know you're already shopping on Amazon. Head to sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Amazon. Go get your Inside Vegas TV, we have college experience up there, the regular shield and sportsgamingpodcast.com and click on the banner at the top as well. Help support the podcast and get yourself some nice inside Vegas swag. But I agree with kind of your your sentiment on the on the um on the roster. Best offensive line potentially in in all of the NFL. Uh and uh, at least the top three uh and defense that should kind of crack into the top five this year, in my opinion, with the young talent they have. Definitely, man. I want to kind of give you the floor first for any more kind of rapid fire, anything that we didn't hit on on our five that is, uh, you know, from a betting perspective, from a gambling perspective, narrative that you've seen. I talked about, you know, kind of Baltimore changing their philosophy. I think that there's a ton to be said about Antonio Brown heading uh, over to the uh, what will become the Las Vegas Raiders, I guess. Um, I think, that you know, maybe, you know, some juju props out there in the futures market certainly makes some sense when you saw what AB was able to do there kind of alone. Um, you know, James Conner out there. Um, I saw a stat out there for most um, when I was looking up uh, most receiving touchdowns. I, I think Juju was like 13 to one. He was tackled inside the f- uh, two yard line nine times and all nine of them became Connor touchdowns. And I think that that is something that can certainly regress. I think that's a something out there in the offseason narrative world. But anything that you have really seen out there that is, you know, can be applied kind of uh, to a betting perspective when we talk about, you know, just how different the NFL you know, offseason is when you're trying to handicap basically all year, you know, all offseason for NFL week one. And then it, once week one comes and nobody knows what's going on, everything adjusts to a week to week basis. It's one of the most fun, you know, kind of <laughs> funny and fascinating handicapping conversations in a sport. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess, so I guess my final thoughts would be, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I could go on all day. Like there's so much to talk about here, but I don't want to spoil all the kind of all the, all the listeners get to kind of dig into it now. And now that their appetite is a little wetted and kind of make some decisions for themselves as you do that. 100% start with uh, looking at the quarterback position. Did they make any changes in the quarterback position? Are you expecting improvement or regression from last season's performance? That is going to be your most impactful, uh, you know, part of your, you know, of your system in terms of changing your, pers- you know, your, your uh, impression of a team's, you know, when winning possibilities uh, after quarterback, I would look at coaching staff, uh, specifically look at offensive coordinators after you look at head coaching changes. Uh, and then, uh, beyond that, I think you want to look at 
you know, uh, skill position players in terms of wide receivers and tight ends and cash pass catching running backs next, uh, then potentially your coverage players on the defensive side of the ball. Did they improve any on their cover, you know, any of their cornerback safety play? Uh, because you know, this, the regular season in the NFL now, uh, it's a passing league through and through and through and through. And your teams that have an ability to pass the ball, your teams that have good coverage players uh, and can stop the pass are going to be your teams that are going to win more games than you would think otherwise. Uh, and that's uh, that's kind of the, the, the head start you can give yourself in handicapping the season. I'm going to put you on the spot, my man. Uh, based on their okay, offseason sure. and, and what is, you know, if things move forward now, injuries and preseason aside, who has put themselves in the best to, best position um, and kind of all things being equal, you know, what you know, the best team in your eyes in the NFL right now and kind of your way too early uh, team on the fast track inside for the Super Bowl, or I guess teams will do NFC and AFC before I get you out of here. Um, I'm going to say, uh, oh my God, it's so tough in the AFC. Do we the just AFC automatically just put in really PC tough. and the Pats in the championship game and move on? You know, I am going to go outside of those two, and I'm going to say neither the case. I'm going to say neither Casey nor the Pats makes the championship game. I think you have too much. I think you have too much uh, talent and too much, uh, too many wins, uh, squeezing out uh, Casey and New England getting home field advantage between the likes of the Chargers and the uh, Colts. Uh, so I think one of those two teams comes out in top. Wh- whichever team you know is playing at home. Uh, even though I know the Chargers, I, you know my dream scenario in the AFC is that the Chargers in their little rinky-dink fifteen thousand person stadium host the AFC title game. I would laugh. I would just be laughing all day long. Um, but I, I guess I'll have to. Yeah, between those two teams, uh, one of those two teams goes to the Super Bowl in the AFC, in my opinion. And I'll, I'll lean on the Chargers. I think the Chargers are due. I think their roster is absolutely stacked. Uh, and you know, they're yoked at all of the right positions. Why the wide receiver depth chart is just eye popping Their Their defensive backfield is eye popping. Um, you know, there's really not a, a, a huge unobvious weakness that I can see on this roster that would prevent them from going the distance. So I'll say the chargers in the, um, uh, in the AFC and in the NFC, uh, I think that the, well, the team we, we talked about the team that has improved their chances more than any other is Atlanta. Uh, in my opinion, and I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and tip Atlanta then uh, as the team that I like the like and based on an easy schedule. They're at home for so much of the season, not not just at home, but under in the dome for so much of the season this year with the roster that's constructed specifically for that, with a defense that's you know bringing back a ton of healthy pieces. So uh, I'll go. I'll look for an Atlanta Chargers Super Bowl this year. I like it outside little, the uh, box, man. Little, little wild, yeah. That's, that's probably like 100 to one. Yeah, if you can track that down. Yep. The from an outside the box perspective, mine would definitely be the Colts. I think that you know, t- to me, narrative is absolutely everything. I think Andrew Luck is going to win an MVP in his career, um, and I think that that's the outside Oof, the yeah. box narrative one that comes in uh, if something you know kind of crazy were to happen. Uh, I'm still always until you, until you stop being profitable and stop putting me in a position to guarantee myself money. The Chiefs and the Patriots are going to get bets from me preseason just because <laughs> the market's going to shorten. Um, NFC side, man, I tip my hand a little bit. I 
am I'm a Green Bay guy this year because of what they did Green on Bay. defense. I, I really am, and I think that they are built to win division games this year. And week one, especially that first half market, is going to be a look and a half when nobody knows what is going on. Um, so Green Bay is actually going to be my pick in the NFC. I first of all, I really don't understand kind of the you know why the um, the Rams are so low in a season win total. They did nothing um, except you know kind of remain the same. Yet you know the Super Bowl hangover is real, and I think every team that has lost the Super Bowl <laughs> except for the New England Patriots the last like 10 years has gone under their season win total. And that is a yeah. very real stat to me. So uh, I get it. Um, I'm shocked that odds makers have almost kind of caught up to that, but I think the Rams are, you know, have the ability to break that mold for sure and be back. But as, as the NFC goes, I, I am very big on green Bay and I was very down on them last year, man. But, um, Again, bro, cannot thank you. Go ahead, cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk a little way too early NFL offseason <laughs> narratives, how it applies to um, betting. Anything else out there, man? Um, I want to give you the floor to plug anything else. Whale underscore capper on Twitter, uh-huh. deepdivemedia.co, uh-huh. the pod, anything yeah. and everything where people can find you, bro. Just uh, you can count on uh, two NFL pods a week from us between now and the start of the season. There's going to be some spectacular content. Uh, doing a lot of work with the uh, sports book review as well on their YouTube channel. You can check out uh, tennis videos plus uh, uh, a whole slew of NFL videos trickling out uh, in the coming weeks. So um, everything's pretty much on my Twitter page, though, and uh, it's tough to uh, uh, it's tough to uh, to miss when something good comes along. Uh, I usually give it a pretty good uh, pretty good bump. So keep keep an eye out. Awesome, man. Again, bro. Like the situational chart. Oh, thank you. I forgot the situational Hit it. Uh, situational chart. Nobody looks at week. the NFL schedule better than you. So <laughs> yes. give the people a preview of what that is. I did too. Uh, yeah. So the uh, next week, keep an eye out for uh, situational, uh, basically the, the schedule through the lens of, of a situational analysis. We kind of highlight, uh, you know, beyond just who's playing, who, when uh, we try to look at uh, travel situations back to back you know, road games, uh, you know, sandwich games between two, uh, divisional opponents, things like that, where you can kind of, you know, be prepared to look at the fabric of a team schedule and get a feel for, you know, the highs and the lows before the season even starts. So you can kind of do things like we were talking about with the Browns where maybe you don't want to bet them now. Maybe they, they, the, the value has been beat the hell out of those numbers by now. Like you were, you were way too late if you were just thinking about this now. Uh, and, but you know, you look at their schedule that you can probably figure out like, oh man, look at this sweet spot they have after week four, they play five, you know, five, six, seven. Those are games that are all going to be favored by, you know, a touchdown. Like, you know, those sort of things, I think, um, you know, really help prepare you for the, for the grind of the season. Uh, and so look out for a situational handicapping chart next week. And if you want to bet those on Wales situational handicap, Head on over to mybookie.ag, offering their own NFL Super Contest this year. You make five picks against the spread, $100,000, up for prizes. Entry fee is only $100 for their Super Contest this year. Mybookie.ag slash Super Contest. Secure your spot. Use promo code SGP50. And as well, we're brought to you by ESPN Plus. Stream live sports and ESPN Plus originals all in HD. Exclusive UFC events that I watch nonstop. $4.99 a month, and you can cancel anytime. Well, my friend, thank you so much as always, and I look forward to, I'm sure we'll talk about some other narrative that only you have the inside track on soon, buddy. Thanks again for having me. Best of luck this season, bud. 